Welcome to T21 Mom. Hi, friends, and welcome to the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary, and I'm your host, and this is episode 90. On today's episode, I'm talking with Mika Caldwell, who is another rockin' mom and an author. And we're talking about her series of books about her son, Anayan, and being a Black family. And for me, it was a really eye-opening conversation because we were talking about things that I had never really thought about, you know, about there being cultural differences, you know, just her challenge in trying to find other Black families. And I really learned a lot and I really appreciate her sharing her books and her time with me. So let's go have a listen. Today on the T21 Mom podcast, I'm talking with Mika Caldwell. We met at the retreat in Washington back in September. Welcome, Mika. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It wasn't September. It seems like it was. I know when I think about that time and me <laughs> being on the scooter, sometimes it seems like it was so close because I'm still kind of getting through that ankle thing. So, oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. So that was what I was going to ask you is how, how are you doing? Cause I could totally commiserate with you because we've talked about it probably a lot on the podcast about my unfortunate incident and being on a scooter in a boot. I think it was 10 weeks. I don't even want to remember to be honest, <laughs> <Bye>. but, <laughs> but how are you doing with the leg and everything now? Uh, it's getting better. It's time. I think, as you know, mm -hmm. it just takes time. So like in physiotherapy now, so just working to walk without a limp. That's what I'm trying to do now and to consciously do that. But mm -hmm. that experience at the retreat, um, and I didn't even wrote the hotel after if you have a question about that, but it was just difficult to get around because yeah. the carpet there yeah. and the elevator bay and then the Ugh. cobblestone on the bottom. I was done. I left early actually uh, like that. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yes. And I do recall like when I was on the scooter going to the mall and I realized like, you don't think about it when you're able-bodied, but like when there's tile you know, right. you're hitting the grout. So there's a few times I nearly wiped out. It's scary. Like you think mm -hmm. it all looks nice, but it makes it very challenging to get around when you're using a mobility device. And I absolutely, yeah, and like, I had, I, yeah, I had feedback for the Gaylord after that though, because while I'm in that, in the, in the boot and all that, that's temporary for mm -hmm. me, but I was noticing a certain things just to get around. And I'm like, how is everyone else getting around if they have a more permanent mobility a vehicle like what does this look like and mm -hmm. i had wrote them because the carpet is not really conducive to wheels mm -hmm. um and the elevator bay once you press a button literally you have to kind of wait and then if you're not close to that one you gotta like <laughs> scramble over there and then you gotta yeah. go all over again so i just kind of wrote them just and especially the room it was supposed to be like a uh handicap room that's what it said but the doors don't open so mm -hmm. if you're truly making it accessible the doors don't open. So I'm trying to figure out like, what, what did you do? Like, what do you the, do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's great because you don't know until you're in it. And exactly. I, you know, so I could, well, I'm glad to hear that you're on the mend. So yeah. that that's awesome news. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And, you know, before we get started about what we're going to talk about today, can you share a little bit about you and your family? Sure. So of course, Mika called. Well, I'm married. Uh, we have six children all together. So we have 
our older children who are out the home and one is in college. And then we have our younger children who are in the home. So the ages range from eight all the way to 26. And we live in Maryland and we're always just doing something or other. So right now we're just trying to manage, you know, school, remote work and living. But we are, um, we've been in this advocacy thing for a while, but that's our, that's our family our large, small family here. Large, small family. I love it. I love big families. Yes. I mean, I grew up with three brothers. I mean, kind of close in size, but not quite to your family. But, you know, now, and my daughter is just an only child. So I, I kind of miss that, the having <laughs> a bigger family and, and a, a little bit of the chaos. At times. Yeah, it could be because, you know, when it's quiet, you're just like, okay, you can take a break and rest, but then you you are looking for that noise again. Like yeah. you are looking for things to be busy again. You can't help it. That's just how it is. So it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when we met at the retreat and you were on your scooter and, you know, I, I applaud you for coming, you know, on a scooter and with those challenges. And that's really awesome. And I, and I really hope that for the time that you were there, that you really enjoyed the retreat. Cause I know for me, it's, it's a big deal to go every year and it means a lot and it really fills my cup. So you're, you know, you were telling me about this really very cool and interesting project that you've been working on. Can you share what it is? Sure. So I'm also an author in addition to um, being in HR. So I've written three books already from like a nine and we're working on the fourth book. I'm not going to give the title away, but <laughs> um, yeah, the fourth book. So every time when I say I'm working on a book, it takes a little bit because mm-hmm. I have the title, I have the idea. Mm-hmm. And I honestly just go with the experiences. The books are really just a snapshot of a nine and kind of what he does, what he goes through the day to day. So that's how I get the information. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of what we're working on now. And hopefully, I mean, it's the beginning of 2023. We can get that published this year. That's wonderful. And Anayan is your son who with yes. Down syndrome. Yes. Anayan is eight years old. He's in the third grade and is a subject of all the books. And my other children are in there. The little kids are in there too. That's great. Now, when you, you, you've never written a book before, I take it that until you started no. this series. No, never, <laughs> never. Maybe when I was younger. I mean, I love to read. I love mm-hmm. to read. And of course, when I'm younger, I'm I'm writing my own little stories and things like that, but never to the point where I had anything published. So that was brand new for me. Oh, that that's that's a huge undertaking, and kudos to you. So you wrote your first book, A Friend Like Anion, and I love that name. Uh, what motivated and inspired you to write this book? So, like we said, Anion is eight years old. Anion has Down syndrome, and when he was born, I think I was just trying to figure out kind of what to bring. Like usually when we have World Down Syndrome Day or Down Syndrome Awareness Days or something like that, we go to the schools or we go to educate, we go to just share. And I noticed I didn't have any books that represented him. No books with Black children, Black families, even the books that had were written by parents, those educational books or mm-hmm. things like that. And I just saw like, wait a second, there's something missing here. And I want to be able to go somewhere to for him to be represented. It was very important to us. So after not seeing that, and especially not even any books with Down syndrome, period, like any children's books, it's very difficult to find. There are some, Mm -hmm. but they're scarce, you know? Mm -hmm. So after noticing that, and just also noticing lack of representation, that's why I had the idea to write the book. And I wanted to write it to share, right? Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking 
oh, let me write this book and it's going to get published and I'm going to be on Oprah's wish list. I wasn't thinking any of that. I was just like, let me find something so he can have something for himself. Because I said, if nothing ever happens, he'll have his book. You know what I mean? He'll have something to bring in. And that was what it was. And I had the thought a while ago before I even wrote the book. But it's the thing, like you said, I'm not an author. So it was trying to figure out, like, how do you even get this started? How do you write a book? How do you get it published? Who do you talk to? Um, what resources do you need? How much does this cost? All those things were always in my mind. And then one day I was like, let me just try to reach out. So I was reaching out to different authors and people and things like that. And you have authors with different genres and maybe they didn't do children's books. So, But I had this one friend who put me in touch with their friend who happened to be a publicist. Mm-hmm. Um, no experience in children's books, but <laughs> he heard my story and he was like, I just want to help you. I want to help you go through this path. I want to tell you what, what to do. And then that's how it got published. Like it was such a labor of love mm-hmm. from those who heard it. And I was so grateful because again, they don't publish children's books. And I think he was more like a self-help person, but that's what they did. He had a publishing company and they took me through the steps. They helped me with the illustrator. They helped me with just kind of getting it all together, the editing. And then the wonderful, wonderful editor I had did that just pro bono, my first book. And it was yeah, it was one of those things where I just reached out and I said, hey, you know, I got your name. And they were like, I'll do this. Like, this is, I'll do this for you. And I'm like, wow. And so yeah. they're the editor of my next book. Of course, they're they're getting compensated now. But the first, it was just really people coming together to say, I, I love your story. I want your story to get out. This will help so many people. And it also had people notice when I mentioned the fact that there was a lack of representation. Mm-hmm. They would go, oh, you know what? I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like, I never saw a book, a TV, magazines, and that was where all the lack was. Because I remember when they told me about his diagnosis when I was in the geneticist's office, and I remember looking at them, and I remember thinking, okay, well, what do I need? What supplies? Like, what do I need? I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, do you have a family, specifically a Black family, because I do believe the experiences are different, that I could meet? And they said, no, we don't <sighs> have any family. And this is in the DMV. And I'm like, wait a second you have any family? And they're like, no, we don't have any family we can connect you with. Nothing. Oh so, my gosh. right. That's what I said. Like, <laughs> like how can that be? <laughs> how can that be? Right. So, but even after that, after nine was born and all these things, I sent pictures back to that same office. And I said to them, like, if you have anyone that's asking for the same thing that I did, you have a family now. So you can definitely Wonderful. direct them to me. Um, they have it, but I feel like the more and more we talk and say and mm-hmm. share, Mm-hmm. the more and more people will see that every route here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. So did you have a prenatal diagnosis then? I did. I yeah. did. Yeah. At yeah. 15 weeks. And I think it's, it was a regular testing that I, I always say, okay, yeah, go ahead. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I think I was advanced maternal age, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, you know, I had two kids before. And so I'm thinking routine, routine, do what you need to do just to make sure. Mm-hmm. But and so I I just wasn't thinking that I wasn't thinking at all. Of course. And again, yeah, because I and they tell you, you know, that we're going to test for, you know, Down syndrome, we're going to test for this, we're going to test for that. They give you like the whole list of genetics. And so you're just like, okay, cool, you can test for it all. But I think I just didn't think at all that that was going to be the diagnosis, especially because mm-hmm. I'd never seen a, a black child with Down syndrome. I don't, I don't think I thought that it couldn't be. I just mm-hmm. wasn't thinking of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I got the diagnosis, it was just like, okay, now what now? And because mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody, I'm just like, I, now I got to go find my people. I got to go figure this <laughs> out. 
But it was difficult because of how the diagnosis was delivered. I think a lot of parents that I talked to have a mm-hmm. similar story about how it was delivered and they're saying, oh, hey, you can just abort. Here you go. This is this is the option. And that's like the first option they gave me. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And his picture was on the screen and, and, and they're giving me and I'm like, this is, I just want to know if I could still breastfeed. I just want to know <laughs> if I could still, you know, if there's any particular crib I need. I just wanted to know, you know, what to know. I didn't, yeah. that's, that's not the information I needed. And they give the information solo just with that. They don't give any other information to mm-hmm. say, well, hey, these are the support groups. This is this. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, they don't give any of that because I feel like they just, it's delivered with such a sad um, way that mm-hmm. it's just, it's just shocking. And I'm, you know, you're happy, you're, you're pregnant, you have a baby and they're just, the the faces were just sunk in and it's just like, we have to tell you. And I'm just like, okay like where's the bad news people I don't see anything yet but you don't know that until you kind of get into it but I think Mm -hmm. uh you know the community has been working to change how those are delivered especially Mm -hmm. because that's very important for students that's coming in and training and for doctors to understand that give parents all choices yes you know what I mean tell them all the things um, it's not all negative. It's mm-hmm. not all positive all the time, but it's like any it's child, it, any child. Exactly. That's right? treat this to give me all the information and let us make informed decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said about, you know, there wasn't any representation, like you couldn't find anything on with black children. And when we had talked previously, I began to think about that. And I thought, you're right. Like, you know, I'm a Caucasian. So obviously our, our perspectives are going to be different, Mm -hmm. obviously. And I thought back, like, you're right. There aren't a lot of children's books out there. They're scarce, but everything I've seen, like ads, uh, any kind of social media or any kind of publicity or for whatever, I think it's almost always been like a white baby with Mm -hmm. down syndrome i haven't seen any other diversity that i can recall but i and i hadn't thought about it until we had chatted and i go and i thought how could i not notice that but i guess Mm -hmm. like until you're in it and the same with down syndrome until you're in it you don't really notice it but it's i think our jobs to to change that perspective which is what you know you're doing with your books yes yes you know, and so when you first wrote the first book, like, did you always have it in your mind that it was going to be a series or did it just sort of kind of grow organically that, yeah, I think this can be a series? I think it grew organically because, again, I was just thinking of that first book, like, let me get this done, because it seemed like such a monumental effort of getting the information, trying to find people to help, trying to get just the, the publishing industry understood. How does this work? Um, so I always, I think I thought like the first book, but when the first book was received well, and I realized the first book was literally, it was him mm-hmm. and so many things that he does in school and at home and experiences with his sisters and friends, like we could tell his story in a, a more ways. So mm-hmm. the second book and the third book, and then I'm thinking of just all the things that um, when you talk to other parents, all the things that we share, when we talk mm-hmm. about school or we talk about discipline or we talk about behavior, we talk about potty training. All those things that we all share and we all get tips from each other mm-hmm. that's what i'm thinking like to to have those experiences of him in the book so i can share it with other people so i think after that first book i said okay let me write the second and then the second was 
oh, I got an idea for the third. And now the third is, oh, I have an idea for the fourth. So I feel like as long as we have those ideas, as long as he's doing things, and I know I can help um, other families just deal with whatever, mm-hmm. because it always comes to my mind, even like when we're struggling with like the car seat, that's another thing. Like mm-hmm. our kids in the car seats, they all always unbuckle. And that might be another idea <laughs> just to help them yeah. like stay in your car seat. So that's, that's the things that I think of because those are stories that I don't have to make up. You know what I mean? These yes. are just those life stories that you could just write down on paper and try to get them to where school age children can understand them. Mm-hmm. And what I liked about the books, which are, are wonderful is that it's representative for every child or any family yeah. with a child with down syndrome. It, you know, it doesn't have to be about race or, or what have you It's for anybody, but it's nice mm-hmm. to see that representation and to like, see your families in the books. And I just wanted to comment that I, I really loved the illustrations in the second and third books. Uh, they're awesome. They, they look like your family. I thought they were like really well done. So that's awesome. Yes. Yes. And shout out to my illustrator, Cameron Wilson. Um, but, I, the, the first book, like I said, it was a lot of learning and a lot of mm-hmm. figuring out, a lot of learning about illustrators and the tools they use and uh, vetting people and trying to see who could. And so when, after the first book was out, I, you know, the illustrator for the first book, thank you, because I still know that illustrator, mm-hmm. um, they're still doing good work. But for me, I just wanted something a little different. Like you said, more go- geared towards how our family looks. And so when I look for the second uh, illustrator. I had a friend who also does children's books. She mm-hmm. does the Dash Jackson series. She referred me to her illustrator. And so when I sent him a picture of my son, this is what this is why I chose him. I sent him a picture of my son and I said, let's let me see how you're going to draw him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think a lot of illustrators ask for that. And, and you know, and so when he sent the picture back to me, I noticed that he had one of a nine's eyes were smaller than the other. And I looked at the picture, I was like, why did you draw his eye? Like one eye smaller than the other. He's like, well, that's how all the pictures look. Now, mind you, when you look at your children, (laughs) you you see see your children, you don't see that. So, and I had told him, I think I had told him like, oh, look at my Facebook page. You can kind of see him in action, you know, just different pictures you can kind of click on. And so when he sent his, his rendition back to me, I was looking at this like, no, he didn't just make my child have a smaller eye and da da da. (laughs) But when I looked back at all the pictures, it was true. And I said, you know what? He paid attention. And that's yeah. what I wanted him to do more so because again, I didn't notice it. And now when I look at it, I was like, that's him. If people, because I, I see it every day. Yeah. But the fact that he noticed that, the fact that he put it in there, the fact mm-hmm. that he didn't erase it, the fact that he made him all him and whatever things that he had, he made him him and he kept it. He didn't think, oh, well, she, mom might not want to see this. He said, this is who she gave me this is who I'm going to draw and kept it true to reality. And that's when I said, okay, that's it. You, you got me because you're a <laughs> professional and you see those mm-hmm. things as an illustrator should that I don't see. So that's what I wanted in the book. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. That's really wonderful to hear. Now you sort of mentioned like, you just like, you're kind of just keep going. Like, did you have a plan for the number of books or are you just going to see where it takes you? At first I did have a number, but I feel like don't limit it. Mm-hmm. Let me just go ahead and see where it takes me. Because honestly, if I do a book this year, then I don't do another book for two years. Or if I do something in between, it's all for the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't put a number on it. Um, and nine is only eight. So who knows how, yeah. how his officials will take him. And then because his siblings are involved, that's another thing that a lot of families have siblings. 
You know what I mean? And yeah. so those interactions should be in there too. And if he has, he has a dog and those interactions. So I don't know where it's going to end. Honestly, I'm just don't know wherever it ends. Uh, that's, that's so awesome. I love it. And when you finally got your first book published, what did that feel like for you? Was it kind of emotional at all or? Um, I think it was because it was, I, I think I just kept saying like, I wrote a book. Like I actually wrote a book. Like I wrote a book. Like, and I'm, and I always tell people like I'm not an author. People say yes, you are. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm understanding. But it was like I wrote a book. Oh my gosh! And then just to show him the book, and to show him like this is you in the book, and to show his, you know, it was just like he's like that's me, that's you, that's you in the book. And it was emotional because it was something that I had said that I wanted to do, and it wasn't just for him, and it was for anyone who could benefit to show. Um, children in their natural environment and how you can help. And I, I figured, you know, okay, I'll write it and maybe I'll just keep a copy for myself. Yeah. It wasn't, but it, it just, it was received so well. And I think that I didn't realize how much people said, oh, we needed this book. Like, you know, we needed something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always encourage the parents of your child, whether you have, whatever it is, whatever mm-hmm. it is, write it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be the only one writing, yeah. um, but anyone else can do the exact same thing. And I encourage anyone to do it because we definitely need more books uh, regarding children with Down syndrome to share with our schools, our healthcare workers, um, anyone. And then we definitely need ones that represent our community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause like off the top of my head, I can think of maybe four books. I was about to say five. I was waiting for you to say the numbers. I was about to say four too. Like I yeah. can maybe four and that's not and those aren't recent well the ones I remember aren't like recent recent so it's like mm-hmm. as we're going through the years let's let's see what we can do you know what I mean yes and I think you're right I think there's definitely space for everyone there to to share their story and mm-hmm. you know like nowadays it's I I mean you could tell me if this is true or not but I think it's almost a little easier to get things published I have a friend who, who she published some children's books and she does it through Amazon. The first time she did it through a publisher, but now she does it through Amazon. I go, wow, I, like I was asking her about it and I couldn't believe that you could just do it like that. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I learned for the second and third books. I'm self-published. We ended up um, creating a publishing company, Brown Baby 321 Publishing, when we made the books. And I just do it all myself. So I mm-hmm. actually, I have the same illustrator, the editor is still there and it's just myself. And, and I tell people because people have reached out to say, oh, how do you do this? I want to write a book. Um, and if you want to go to publish a company, absolutely. That's your choice, but you can mm-hmm. do it yourself too. And you can make a company out of that if you want to do anything else, but it's not as hard as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually very simple and it, it for any authors, I just say, just get your story. Once you get your story, you know, don't worry about anything else. Just get your story. And then the rest will come. Like it's, it's not that hard to do. So I'm like, everyone just let's write a book. We can have a book (laughs) writing conference, but yeah, it's easy. It's pretty easy. That is really cool to hear. So maybe that could be another project I could delve into. (laughs) Yes, you can. I've had a few ideas swirling in my head. So you're a black woman and I know you've said that one of the main reasons you decided to write this book was because when you went looking for books with a child like Anayan, you couldn't find any, that there was no representation. How did this make you feel? 
Um, thought of last, um, excluded because mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out when you see something missing, you go and find it. But mm-hmm. it's like obviously someone didn't see anything missing, so we don't have those books to share. But it also made me feel empowered because sometimes it's that voice that you know is the loudest that gets things um, are able to get things done. Um, so I just felt honored to be able to have this idea and have the book and and, and write it and publish mm-hmm. it. But it did make me feel like confused, like wait a second, because I know that you know I've met family since then, of course. And so I'm trying to always figure out like, where, where is that gap? Where is the reach out? Where, what is the community doing? How are we embracing our families? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and early on when I did, I think it was just like Facebook, we did um, something for World Down Syndrome Day where we did like a color, the colors of Down Syndrome. And there was this video on Facebook, I think it's on our old page that showed just different cultures and how mm-hmm. they have children with Down Syndrome. So you might have someone in a different country Mm-hmm. Um, you might have someone on a different continent. You might have someone with a different uh, religion. If you have someone, you know, and there's all different things in different communities. It might be stigmas or it might be just like the resources of where you are. I've talked to parents that have been in Japan. Mm-hmm. They might be, you know, expats in Japan and they've said, oh, you know, it's completely different here. Like I, they they don't really have anything where yeah. I am that my child just goes to school, but I have to find X, Y, and Z. Um, and it's been really interesting to figure out, you know, just around the world, how are we dealing with this in our different communities? Mm-hmm. Um, I've met someone that lives in, I believe, Ghana, and she's, mm-hmm. you know, helping people in her community educate and give resources and celebrate. And so you always look at that and wonder here, you know what I mean? When we mm-hmm. have a lot of diversity, then why is it missing? And what does this look mm-hmm. like? And, and yeah so I just I I felt like okay yeah we, we were left out but let's we belong everywhere so let's mm-hmm. take this book and and get it out and and make sure people understand about our children about our loved ones our family members and even as they grow up you know he'll mm-hmm. always have this book to show yeah where oh, there that's... are black people with down syndrome absolutely <laughs> I love that so you kind of touched on it briefly but so how has the book been received it's been actually received really well. I think when I was first doing the, the first book, I would like post on social media and say it's coming. And then when it, it hit the shelves on Amazon and all those other places, it was really received well. I was able to do a few podcasts with doctors. I was able to join in on talking to medical students, um, mm-hmm. just giving thoughts and opinions. It's been really, really good. I think this last year, the pandemic, it was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. as everyone's dealing with everything but I feel like I'm ready to get back in to try to do that fourth book and talk to some more because I think it's just an education thing for our up-and-coming medical community too mm-hmm. um, and also for the current ones that are here I mean I always like to just drop the book off places mm-hmm. like if I'm in the doctor's, I'll just drop the book off or I'll just drop a card off or you never know what families are in there but I think it was received really well more than I thought Mm-hmm. But it got spread around so much. And it, I, I just, I love it because when I go into places and see it, and I remember I was doing a vending show in my local community. It's like a community thing you vend. And uh, a little girl came up to me and she's like, oh my gosh, I saw your books in the doctor's office. Now, I don't know what doctor she went to. I don't know anything, but I was yeah. just like, my heart was warm because she remembered the book and she That's came awesome. up and it was in her doctor's office. And I, you know, that, not like I knew her, but I was yeah. just like, oh my gosh, it made it to your doctor's office. Or I think um, I had a coworker actually share the book with the library that 
it wasn't even in my state. Um, I cannot remember the state, but the fact that it's spreading like that, I just, I love it and I appreciate it. And that's what it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is so wonderful to see. And what an awesome feeling. And, and I'm sure for like lots of families like yours, you know, who are black or maybe another race, you know, when they see the book, like, you know, like you said, like you felt excluded and, you know, that nobody's seeing you, that finally someone's saying, yes, mm-hmm. like somebody sees me and, you know, I'm, I don't feel so alone. And like you said, we, I think we all have a story to share, right? you know, and sometimes like people have more of the gumption to go and do it like yourself. But yeah, we do need more people out there sharing the stories about our kids and especially, you know, about diversity amongst Down syndrome because it's there. It's, it's everywhere. Yes. Yes. And then just also with other um, different abilities. I have a friend who wrote um, same illustrator. I share the illustrator with her, but she wrote um, cerebral palsy party mm-hmm. and it's out. And I was just like so proud of her writing that book because she has cerebral palsy and she has been trying to write this book and get it out. And it's just wonderful. Like that's what I look forward to seeing mm-hmm. people use their platform and use the experiences mm-hmm. they have to share with other people and in the form of a book, especially for children who, you know, we always try to teach our children how to embrace others and how to be inclusive and how to be kind and nice. And I think this shows that, you know, when you have a book like that and you're reading about a child either with Down syndrome or cerebral palsy or any other um, ability, like this is, you know, it's it's regular. It's not anything that, oh, this is so different or Mm -hmm. I don't know how to react or I don't know what to say. These are things that will help our children communicate and how to understand people that might be a little bit different than them, but may just need some assistance or, you know, how do you approach and how do you be comfortable? And this helps parents too, because children are way more um, inquisitive and sometimes mm-hmm. kinder than adults. So yep. they teach, they, they mm-hmm. teach the, the adults. So I mm-hmm. just, I'm, I'm just, when I see books like that and I see people who are taking that initiative and who have that ability to do that, it just makes me so happy because I'm buying the book and I'm sharing your books and I'm, anything that I can do so that we can just go around and make sure that it's out there and that people see it and people understand. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And I know like just in our down syndrome community, like there's always like a general, like lack of representation in mainstream media and, and, but people always get excited when we see our kids in the mainstream media. But like I said, like, I don't often see cultural diversity in that. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, with your book, we can start shifting that narrative a little bit. And, and like we said, it down syndrome's everywhere. You know, it's, right. not just, it's not just for the Caucasian kids that have down syndrome. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. So like for me personally, I'm a, a single mom by choice and having a child with down syndrome, it was easy to feel isolated, like you said, as I didn't know anyone uh, similar to me. And so you mentioned you felt this way at all. Like, did you, was it challenging to try to find other black families with a child with Down syndrome? Like you said that the geneticist office, they knew no one, which I find hard to believe, but right. you know. <laughs> me too, yeah. It, it honestly, after that, I think I um, researched a little more and eventually uh, found a wonderful online community. Um, mm-hmm. There's an African-American families uh, of children with Down syndrome on Facebook. And I think I found them first. I think I was just Googling 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was online. And then I was, it was just like, you know, the sun opened up and it was like, mm-hmm. oh, that was so, it was thousands of families. So yeah. that's where I first found um, other black families, but also in my community. I think after I had the diagnosis and I realized that there was just a gap, like I'm not seen, I feel like my, um, I was alert more when mm-hmm. I would see people out and I would mm-hmm. see and I would think, hmm, I think they're a child down syndrome. Let me go and say hi. And it's one of those things where, you just kind of come out of yourself because you're just mm-hmm. thinking, I don't want them to feel like I did. Like, hey, we, we're both here. Um, so I would do that. But I think it, it took a, just a second. And then I found the online community. I think more and more when I just networked and mm-hmm. um, tried to find people, I did more. And then ironically, the when I was pregnant with him, I actually was working for an organization that supported people with disabilities on federal government contracts uh, mm-hmm. for employment. And so it was so ironic because I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know there's a lot of families probably here, um, but it was just those, all those connections that eventually were made. And then you find the community and then you realize maybe some of the challenges or things like that. And that's where you try to lend your energy after that. But um, yeah, it didn't take me long because I was looking. Uh, <laughs> so I did, <laughs> I did find yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I love finding other single moms by choice. I mean, I, I do have a partner now, but you know, in the early years, it was just me and my daughter. And, you know, it, so it was, it was nice to finally meet, you know, there's not a lot of us single mm-hmm. moms by choice with a child at Down syndrome, but there, there is a small group of us out there and it's always nice to, to meet up. And I did meet with one mom at the retreat. So that was lovely. I'd been, you know, following her forever on Facebook. And so it was nice to finally meet her in person, you know, just cause we like, you know, like yourself, you have similar things in common and things that you can share. So yeah, absolutely. It, it was wonderful. Now, when you, when you started writing your first book, a friend like an I, and who did you want it to reach? Like, who did you want to be reading the book? Was it just black families or the schools or who, who did you it have was, an audience in mind? Or uh, honestly, no. Yeah. Everyone. That was my <laughs> audience was everyone. Um, <laughs> Because I just wanted to share the story and mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, writing the story and actually having him represented, it could benefit everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, people always ask me like, oh, what if, you know, your children's books, what ages are they from? The ages that either you are being read to or you mm-hmm. can read or you can share it with an adult or, you know, healthcare workers or education or um, I've had, uh, I think in second grade, I believe, like his teacher read the book. Um, I didn't even know she was going to read the book. It was like a reading thing. And she read the book and I was like, oh, and I didn't even tell her I had a book. I think she, I, I guess she Googled or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, those are things I love because you find it and you realize, well, the teachers might be looking for something like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because they're aware of maybe Down Syndrome, uh, World Down Syndrome Day or Down Syndrome Awareness Month, they might be looking. Or you might have a healthcare worker who is trying to just bring, you know, just difference in their office or something like that, or trying to connect with the community, they could read the book. And then you have children who are just curious about other books for other children, and they might read the book. So I really felt like it was for everyone, because mm-hmm. no matter whose hands it ended up in, it could help someone that's connected to a hand if it's not helping that hand itself. So mm-hmm. I just felt like it was just universal that it could, and that I felt like that's what it did, because when people reached out, it was either, you know, you have parents, you have teachers, you have doctors, you have you know, therapists and things like that. So it's like, it, it did what it was intended to do, which was get to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Now, when I read the first book, I felt 
you know, I thought this is a great way to introduce kindergarten to a child, whether they mm -hmm. have Down syndrome or not, it didn't really matter. And I really felt in the book that you portrayed Anayan like any other little boy and that, yes, he has Down syndrome, but it's just a part of who he is. It doesn't define him, mm -hmm. you know, and I think for us in the Down syndrome community, that's important. You hear that a lot. Like it, it's a part, Down syndrome is a part of my child, but it doesn't define them. So yeah, I thought it was a great way for parents to just let their kid know what kindergarten's about and what it's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Thank you. And I think that was most from his kindergarten because it's not like every child loves school. So I also thought like, oh, just in case <laughs> someone's having like, you know, anxiety towards just starting the school, this will be good too, because we get through the day. But yeah, I I I like I like that one for kindergarten because I was just trying to recall like well what happened in kindergarten and mm -hmm. then you know what happens when you make a friend and mm -hmm. how do people relate to you and but again like you said that's for a lot of children you know what I mean just mm -hmm. trying to make your way and try to figure out this whole school thing if you've been home or whatever it looked like before you hit school so mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I often feel we have to fight like so hard for our kids to advocate for pretty much everything and that having Down syndrome, our, our kids are often segregated or even discriminated against because of their extra chromosome. <clears throat> and for my daughter, I've often come across diagnostic overshadowing with medical personnel saying or alluding to, oh, because she has Down syndrome, you know, or it's a Down syndrome thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have other children before Anayan. And have you experienced where he has been treated differently because he is black and because he has Down syndrome? Um, you know what? It's it's either because he's a little black boy, because mm -hmm. I think that's a thing too. Um, and Down syndrome, I think people just automatically for our children especially, I think people automatically think um like I can't talk to him mm -hmm. because he's not gonna understand what I'm going to say. And so I'm like, just asking the question and <laughs> see what happens <laughs> yeah. um, and always, you know, address him. And I think that happens, I think for the, for him having Down syndrome, I think that happens a lot when, you know, when you go into the healthcare facilities and they tend to say, oh, mom, so what's this and what's that? Or what's he doing? And I'm like, let's go ask him. Like, even though mm -hmm. let's, let's figure out, let's start that communication because he definitely understands when people either address him or don't address him or try to ignore him because he will do the same thing back. So it's one of those things where that happens. But I also see in the school systems where people may not see it as much or people may not understand it, but there is, you know, when you have a black child in the school system, and let's say it's a behavior thing, I do believe people look at that. They look at the fact that he's black, they look at the fact that he's male, and they look at the fact that he has Down syndrome. But mm. I do sometimes believe that black and male comes first because there's just inherent racism in the school system and how we do things mm -hmm. that I don't think people see up front. So when you when you hear about them trying to, if it's a, if it's a black male, them trying to, oh, he's suspended for you know five days or fighting, or they're never trying to address anything underlying. I think it's just an immediate judgment, mm -hmm. but that's how I have to focus because he's going to grow up and and at times we know the the history now of our country and of racism. And then when you see a black child and let's say he might not be fully verbal and you're trying to ask or trying to get commands and things like that, people might mistake him for doing something bad or for ignoring or for having some type of attitude 
and because they're looking at that black male. Mm -hmm. So they're already having assumptions and mm -hmm. bias already. Mm -hmm. And then top that off with the fact that he has Down syndrome. And then it's a whole nother thing because you're not mm -hmm. understanding just the intricacies that it takes or maybe the attention that he has to give you or maybe the speech that you're trying to get from him in any particular situation. So I think that happens often, but in the ways that sometimes we can't see, like I said, especially in the education system. Yeah, but sometimes we do see that in the healthcare system. I know I've experienced it where I'm with a provider and I'm telling them this is how he um, can work with you. And this is how he responds to things and people aren't listening. And I, and I don't like that when they, like you said, just automatically put, well, that's because they have Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. No, that's because you haven't talked to them. That's because you haven't addressed them. That's because you haven't addressed them as a human and as a person, even though they might be eight, seven, six, our children can understand everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, don't just always assume that they're not competent to speak to you, to communicate with you and always know that, you know, speaking isn't, shouldn't always be a requirement. They're showing you things, their behavior shows you, their actions, their body language. So we have to lean in a little bit more, but that's how we as families and parents have to do. We have to watch those who interact with our children to make sure that they feel empowered too, because that's how we have to grow them up. I don't, I, I'm, I'm the voice now, but Anayan's gonna have his voice and he's being taught his voice. Mm -hmm. And I want him to understand and learn that. Um, but it happens now as he's mm -hmm. seen people, how they address him and how they look at him and how they ask him questions. And he gets upset if you don't ask him what you're asking someone else or if you don't address him. And right now he's stuck on, he has to be called his full name. <laughs> so I'm wondering, like in school, I wonder if he's doing it because I can't say, oh, hey, sweetie, hey, it has to be a Nyan Caldwell. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the full name, not just a Nyan. But even if I say, oh, good night, baby. He's like, no, baby. Anayan Caldwell. I'm like, okay. And that's been happening for the last couple of weeks. So never <laughs> know if that might be in a book, like call me by my <laughs> name. But that's been happening. But that just makes me think he's aware of himself. He's aware mm -hmm. of how people address him. So it could have happened that someone was saying something to him. He's like, no, I'm just going to tell them my name. That's better. So you mm -hmm. just never know. But yeah, I have had situations where it's either both or separately, but it's all noticed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he's also got quite a cute nickname that you guys call him. Oh, yeah, Boothang. Yeah. But I don't know. I think that's phasing out because, again, mm -hmm. I got to call him a nine call. Well, and my husband, <laughs> um, my husband calls him Boog, but we can't do that. It's a nine call. Well, I, and I tried, I think I tried to say like, sweetie, honey, baby, but nope, it's a nine call. Well, and he will get upset if you don't say the last name because I'll try to be like, okay, a nine. He's like, no, a nine call. But I was like, okay. We're gonna figure this one out. So yeah, <laughs> so funny because usually when you're called by your whole name, it usually means you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, That's so awesome. Why do you think there is a lack of representation of people who are black and have Down syndrome? Um, as I can only speak for me, because I mm -hmm. don't, you know, um, I think one, it might be just the person personal business that sometimes the black community holds close, mm -hmm. like this is my family, this is me, I don't want to divulge, this is what we're dealing with it. Um, and that's like a generational thing, I, I think. That's just okay. that. Um, and I think also, again, like when we have uh, different committees or, or whatever the case is, monsters, whatever, I think that people don't speak up to see mm -hmm. that there's something missing. You know what I mean? Like, I know we have more families than this mm -hmm. and people just to say, hey, we don't have any diversity in this group. 
we don't have diversity in the moms group and this resource group. Oh, hey, how did we give to, you know, black organizations today? They're not saying that. So I think it's just a lot of maybe the community just wanted to keep things personal to themselves. And also, uh, this is typical for a lot of families. A lot of families just don't want to focus on it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes they think, you know, once we dive into this Down syndrome thing, it's going to become a whole thing and I'm going to plan everything. And no, we don't have to go to every Down syndrome event. I don't have to be a part of every Down syndrome club. But I feel like some people just stop because it's like, I don't want to be overwhelmed with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also think that people aren't speaking up to say if, if someone's missing at the table in a way that we're making decisions and we're making things for the community because the communities are not represented at this table, then someone needs to step up and say, we don't have all the community voices here. So what does that look like when we do have the community voices, especially when we're trying to help? So if it's in the terms of like resources or things like that, or you're getting together, um, like you said, like you've met parents, you know, of you know, single moms by choice. But what if it was another group saying, hey, I wonder what the single moms by choice thought about this, but no one's at the table like that. Then they would go mm-hmm. and find to get that voice. But I don't think people speak up enough or people mm-hmm. think, well, it's okay because we're going to serve everybody. But it doesn't always happen like that. And I think it's that relationship and that connection building because I've denied many of people who ask me for, oh, let me have oh your son's picture. I'm having this thing. I would love for him to be on the flyer. And my first question is, who is your flyer serving? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Whose communities? Is it going to reach mine? Because I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it as a photo op and as just for space if you're not doing anything for the community. And I got so many people who just don't say anything. They just ignore it after that or whatever the case is, because that's the question. If you yeah. want to say, mm-hmm. we're building this relationship, we're building these communities, then I don't need you to do it for optics. I need you to actually build those relationships and build those communities. And I need you to figure out how. And I need, if you don't know how, then that's when those organizations that have the funding and the resources to help those smaller organizations, be it ones that um, focus on culture diversity, Black organizations or things like that, or even people with you know English as a second language who may be traveling this, this IEP road and all those roads mm-hmm. lonely, um, mm-hmm. but I need them to look for those voices who they're trying to say they're representing, who they're trying to get resources to. And I think that's one of the main focuses is that we don't say it. So we mm-hmm. have to have some people that are bold to say, well, wait a minute, I want to make sure this money goes to so-and-so. I want to make sure we get to the ends of this. Even when it comes to counties and depending on what state you're in, I don't know, but depending on counties that are maybe a little bit more rural or don't have a lot of stuff, we're not thinking, we need to think about all the people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what happens. I think it's a thing of privacy and I think of things of not people speaking up. Um, and then also that, that, smaller thing that people say, I don't want to make this a whole big deal, <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's fine too. But yeah, I, I think it's a combination and maybe some other things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's yeah. You've, you nailed it totally. And do you feel there's a different level of acceptance of down syndrome or any disability for that matter in the black community and the white community? Um, I don't know if it's a different level of acceptance. I think it's just the way um, we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it, it maybe all accepted, but it's a different take on it. Um, because I, I and, it, and it's, it's hard because I think for new parents, when they when they come in, I feel like you have to be real with new parents, too. Um, because a lot of people and I don't know what community, but a lot of people just want to be like, oh, my gosh, it's so wonderful and this and that and the other. And some people are like, well, 
not all of it's wonderful. So we got to be honest with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. And I, and I, and, and that's like that real voice that has to get, but I think that's, that's shared with all communities that, you know, you, you try to be that reality piece in it, but also understand that it doesn't mean you give up. And that's the worst thing ever is just you understanding that there may be challenges for some that are not for others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know about the acceptance piece. I think it's just how it's received and how it's mm-hmm. handled is different and how um, the reach out is different and how the networking is different. You know what I mean? I, I, I do notice just depending on where you are and, and what table you're at, there might be people with tons and tons of resources that have tons and tons of connections, but it's not shared to those other places that don't have as many. Cause I've done that before. I've tried to raise money and I've said, Hey, to other organizations, Hey, you've had this wonderful person do X, Y, and Z for you. Can you share them with me? And it's been, well, and it's like, well, wait a minute, aren't we all trying to do the same thing? Mm. So I think it's just the way it's, it's, it's done. I think it's just the way it's felt in the communities. It's That's really interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, I'm just seeing it from my own perspective. So mm-hmm. I love hearing other perspectives on this, you know, after we met at the retreat, I began thinking about what you had said that you couldn't find any representation. And other than the show Born This Way, which I'm, you're probably familiar with, I'm not mm-hmm. sure, where one of the cast members, John Tucker, he, he's hilarious, I loved him. He was black and actor Jamie Foxx's sister who has had Down syndrome, I, she's passed away, I think a few years ago. I can't recall ever seeing a black child with Down syndrome in any media. I hadn't even, like I said before, I hadn't even thought about it. I would just get excited when I would see a rocking kiddo on a commercial or an ad, but they were always white. But I hope that we can change that and just see, like I said, diversity all across the board, you know, and you're, you're, you're starting this, you know, when you learned at about 15 weeks, I think you said that a nine would be born with Down syndrome. Did you ever think you would be the one leading the way, giving representation within the, you know, within and for the black community and the Down syndrome community? No, that wasn't the first thought. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the first thought. Um, I definitely, I I think just me starting like through my research and stuff like that. I, I know I I felt that there needs to be stuff done and I'm always the person like, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do this. But I was more like a learning thing. Like, you know, how does this work for other families? What does this look like? And just knowing that, you know, he wasn't yet to be born. So I don't even know what's going to happen yet but I think I was in that mode of like research and getting things done and I think after he was born when I found that you know we we did need a little bit more representation we did need more resources um I didn't think that you know I don't think I'm the only one doing Mm -hmm. it I just think that sometimes you have just different pockets of community where you can do it. And also you have parents that have children that are a little bit older mm-hmm. who said, we, we fought the good fight. We've been fighting and we need mm-hmm. other people to take over because it gets exhausting. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love meeting parents with children that are a little bit older, because again, and I am eight, so I don't know what mm-hmm. 10 looks like, 12, 14, 18, what? 20 something? I have no clue. <laughs> but that's why I think sometimes, you know, you have those, families or, or parents who've started things, who've been that voice, but maybe change is really slow and they're tired. They're like, okay, my child's about to go up to college, hand off. Like I need to hand this yeah. off to somebody else. And so that's, I feel like where I came in, it's just another handoff from some voices that have already been there and trying mm-hmm. to do the things that 
we all should be doing or have time to. And I always tell parents, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't want people to feel like, oh, you have to just jump on this board and you have to just do it. No, 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 no. You can just, it starts within your household mm-hmm. and then however you want to share or disseminate the information, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Whatever you have the capacity for, whatever you have the passion for, that's what you do. Um, and if it's just in teaching your child to be a good citizen in the world, that's what you do. Yeah. So, and, and, and for other people that want to have a lot of voices, other people that want to do more things, that's what you do. So mm-hmm. it's like, we all have a space here and we mm-hmm. all have things to do, but I feel like it's a passing up torches all the time yeah. because you have people in different spots just going, okay, I've done this. Now I got to stop next person because I have to handle this. And we know how sometimes it could be with managing households with a child with Down syndrome and any other different ability. You know, there's a lot of schedules and stuff like that. So I just feel like I'm not the only voice. I'm not going to be the last one. Definitely not the first one. Mm-hmm. But if we all speak up, it, it's going to be the loud voice and it's going to be good and it's going to make changes. And if we just keep grabbing the torches as we see fit, as we are comfortable with, that this can keep going on and it can go past awareness. Because I think we're all aware. We're all aware. We're yeah. here. Now <laughs> it's on to inclusion. Now it's on to, you know, equal rights. Now it's on to proper education. Now it's on to careers. Now it's on to all those other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just glad to be, you know, to be able to say something, to be a part of it. Even if it was a little ripple with the book, that's good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. However, however you place yourself in there, mm-hmm. that's good because you're helping your child, but you're helping so many others because everything that some person does is just not for them. The book, it's not just for a nine. I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the other children that are going to come after and kind of do the things that I did and kind of research and go, oh, this book was written in 20, you know, 2019 yeah. and go, wow. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's just um, a step. I just want people mm-hmm. to just keep stepping, keep, keep climbing. Let's keep joining together and, and do this for our family. Oh, I love that. I love it. How has being an advocate and I would say a bit of a trailblazer within both the Black and Down syndrome communities changed you? I think I have a lot more work to do. <laughs> I think that it is one of those things where I'm trying to learn more. And I think that's how it's changed me. And it's just made me think about my, even my, my career progression. Like, what do I want to do when I, you know, I've had this passion to get into disability policy. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing that's changed because, you know, seeing him through school and hearing other people's stories and not just in school, but just how they're treated in healthcare or on the job or just the things that they have to fight for. It's like, I don't want this to keep happening. How does this come down? How do I learn about how policy trickles down? How do we make these things that work for our school system and work for the, you know, the labor system? What are, what are we doing? So I think that's changing. It's made me think about the things in the future, not mm-hmm. in an like, oh no, anxiety type of way. It's made me think about like, I can't wait till we get to a point where we don't have to fight with xyz to get our Mm -hmm. child the things that they need and deserve when is that point so i feel like it's made me more of the advocate in the way that i want to do that hard work Mm -hmm. like i want to i want to be able to sit up there with the legislators and go "Mm -mm, we're not doing this because who's going (laughs) to serve you know what i mean i want to be that so i think it just gives me just a a different platform and it just Mm -hmm. gives me a different passion because i feel like i'm following an eye on his he you know how he's going is how i'm going to go you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. The things that he struggles with that will let me know. Um, and then I meet other people that struggle with the same things once I put it out there. So I feel like it just made me just kind of absorb those things more, more mm-hmm. goal oriented and kind of what I want the future to look like more planning, but also 
trying to just figure out how, how do we make this work so that the world is inclusive and not just saying we're aware, mm-hmm. how do we make it inclusive and fair and how do we make things good across the board and how do we make people not struggle? You know what I mean? When they're already, for, for some people, they're struggling already, mm-hmm. but how do we make this, you know, just across the line, just fair for everyone. And, and it just makes you see so many things differently. Cause I think mm-hmm. I tell people like, unless you're in that community, yeah. then you just don't know until you jump in there and then you're like, wow. So I think that's mm-hmm. for anyone getting into anything different where you feel like you have to make a difference. But I know it's, it's caused me to meet some wonderful, wonderful people and some other trailblazers who are doing things in their community and making changes. And I think that's just, it keeps me going. That's how it changes. It's like, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not tired yet. So <laughs> let's see where this goes, right? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, what are your hopes and even your dreams for your books? I think you've kind of touched on it here and there, but. Yeah, honestly, I would love um, to get a, a good series and I would love to get like a cartoon I would love there to be some more inclusivity in that I would love to you know um you know we're we're anywhere you sell books online but I would love to finally walk through a Barnes and Noble and see it on the shelves. Mm-hmm. um I would love for there just to be you know so much education in the books and I want to be able to partner with those experts like speech therapists and mm-hmm. OT and things like that to add those in the book. So that's part of the lives of our, with many of our children mm-hmm. um, and those educational specials. I want to add those all in the books because that's just real. Um, but that's what I see. I just see more. I don't, I don't, again, I don't have a stopping point, um, mm-hmm. but he, he leads me and I yeah. lead the way. So I just, I don't know. I see great things, but for him, um, I wouldn't mind something like a cartoon. I wouldn't mind something different. Mm-hmm. So we can actually see the, the movement. We can actually see um, our children going about the world and it could be a mm-hmm. story and it could be a regular thing. But I just imagine like, oh my gosh, so many things that you can learn like that. Yeah. Because as we're doing the books and you're, you know, we all know how hard children are in education. You have to bring the, the skills in a different way, possibly math, reading, whatever. Can you imagine how many other people that would help? Not just children with Down syndrome, but mm-hmm. just how we, teach kids today I think we've learned during the pandemic that they don't need all this extra you know millions of hours of school you know they could have something different and I think that that's kind of what I look forward to just keeping them in the series letting the nine lead it mm-hmm. making it educational bringing more experts into it and them to go far oh that's awesome that's yeah I always believe you know go big or go home so right <laughs> Yeah, so we're shooting for that cartoon. Uh, I, I love it. Yeah. I, I think that's a fabulous idea. Never even entered my mind, but I think that would be pretty awesome. You never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. For me and and for and, and I'm sure for you as well. I don't want others who are in our community to feel alone. And one of the wonderful things about your books is that Black families with a child with Down syndrome can realize there are other families just like theirs out there and that your book is as i said fantastic for any child that is heading into kindergarten and and even the subsequent books like you know anyone can read them and it's awesome that your teachers and ian's teachers were reading them and sharing them with the class i mean that's really fantastic and nika where can people find your books 
Uh, so we do have a website. It's brownbaby321.com. You can purchase the books there. Um, and anywhere books are sold online. So if you're an Amazon shopper, Barnes & Noble, Target, anywhere books are sold online, you can find the books. You can simply just Google a friend like Anayan. And again, our website is brownbaby321.com. Oh, we'll definitely put that in the show notes so that people can can find the book. And, you know, and, it, and as I said, again, it's great, you know, if your kids are going into kindergarten, it anyone can read the books. It's really fantastic. So uh, when do you think the fourth book is going to be out? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it depends on when I just got it. I have to set my mind on once I do that. I think the second book I was the second book I think I wrote in a day. I think the wow. third book, because I, I think I was just going over like, oh, how do you start? How do you start? And I, even though I have an editor, I still want to give her something good. Yeah. Like, I don't want her to be working all hours of the night. I just want to help a little bit. So I try to do some things. But this year, I can't say when, but I always try to target um, because we have World Down Syndrome Day in March. But mm-hmm. um, Down Syndrome Awareness Month is October. So it's probably October that okay. <laughs> leading, leading more towards that since it's already January. But yeah, I'd like to release them on those uh, monumental days and things like that. Oh, that's wonderful. And is there anything else you would like to share? Um, like I said, if you have a story, if you have a book, if you have something that you feel is missing, write it, show it, share it, whatever you need to do. Um, because we need that. Because like mm-hmm. you said, sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And it it gives you an opportunity to see someone else's world um, and how they're living and see how you can be a part of that. But I just encourage everyone. I'm not the only one who can write a book. I so want so everyone to write one because we need <laughs> a, a good library for our students. The schools are needed and the healthcare is needed and we need them. Um, so, so write, write. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome. And Thank you, Mika, for so much for coming on today and sharing your story. It was really lovely to chat with you. I'm glad you're on the road to recovery and I'm looking forward to the next book. So maybe when the next book is out, we can have you on again. Yes, yes, I would love that, love that, love that. Perfect, thank you so much. (laughs) You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And if you'd like to find out more information about Uh, Mika's books and her series on her son Anayan, you can go to brownbaby321.com. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Tell me your stories, what's important to you, what's going on in your life. You can email me at info at t21mom.com. You can also find me on Facebook, and I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at trisomy 21 So keep on loving on your rocking kiddos, and I'll see you next time. T21Mom